This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hi there, Dr. Jen Lincoln here. I can't come to the phone right now, but we'll likely have an opening later on. Please leave me a message and I'll be at your cervix. I mean, <laughs> service in no time. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Down There podcast, episode 18. I'm your host, board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, and this week we are switching it up, and I'm not answering any questions that you sent in, but I am introducing you to somebody very special, and that is the other Dr. Lincoln who lives in this house. And if you followed me on my other socials, you may have seen that I've mentioned I am married, I have a husband, and he is also in medicine. And I thought, what better way to introduce you all to him and to have a great chat. He's a pediatrician. We can talk about things related where our worlds intersect. And I thought I'd have him on the podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to let the other Dr. Lincoln, Dr. Doug Lincoln, say hello to you all. Hello. Thanks for having me, Jen. It's good to be here in our house together, um, <laughs> having our, a discussion. In our office while our children yeah, play um, video games and we try to get work done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm Doug Lincoln. Um, I'm a general pediatrician. So I take care of kids from birth up to early 20s. Um, I'm in outpatient practice, which means that I see babies in the hospital and I see kids in the clinic. I don't take care of kids who are hospitalized. The get taken care of by pediatric hospitalists, which is kind of like you, an OB hospitalist in a different way. I have been in practice for as long as you, since we met in med school. How Um, long has it been? It's 12 years. Oh gosh. Over 13 years. Yeah. And we've been married for how many? I'm the worst wife in the world because, okay, we got married in 2007. That's it's, we're married for a while. That's all. 15 plus or minus. We met 20 years ago. Which makes us sound very old, and our children refer to the 1900s as the olden days. So yeah, so we've we've been in practice now for 12 years, which is nuts. Yeah. We're not like the young newbies anymore. Yeah. We still think, oh, I'm the new doctor here. We're not. Yeah. We're not at all. I, I was um, in the young physicians section of the American Academy of Pediatrics, and um, they kick you recently, out? <laughs> well, it's sort of like self-defined. And uh, <laughs> and recently, I was like, I don't think I'm a young physician anymore. I think I'm a you're as young as you physician. feel. And I also think all pediatricians, they are perpetual children because of the children they work with. And you mentioned that you care for kids um, starting at birth. And fun fact for people listening, we did residency at the same hospital. And so there were times where I would do a C-section or a delivery, you know, help a baby be born. And you would be the pediatric team that was there, like when you're on your NICU rotation. And um, that was super fun when I'd turn around and hand a baby over to you. Yeah, And we only do that, you know, if they needed, the pediatricians would be there if there was an issue. So if a baby was premature and needed to go to the NICU um, and I'd turn around and you'd be there and I'd think, oh, cool. Like, yeah, when are you getting home? What should we do for dinner? And here's this baby, please help. <laughs> I remember it as a slightly more stressful situation. Oh, no, no. Everything was very called to the delivery. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. I think that was the first time I, I got to watch you do a crash C-section. And that was so cool. You were like took charge and you had that baby out. I mean, you were down to the uterus in like three swipes. No. Oh, okay. So for my listeners, a crash C-section is an emergency C-section where obviously something's very, very acute and we're concerned. And so we move very quickly. And it is true from the, you know, from the start to the delivery of the baby, it's usually less than a minute. So it looks a little crazy. 
but yeah, it all worked out well. It you... worked. It worked out well. <laughs> yeah, and then the NICU team and the pediatricians on the NICU team um, can resuscitate the baby or get them to breathe if they're not breathing, and do other things if we need to to make sure baby is okay and healthy. And, and we're very glad when you're there because we like okay, fix this now. We're going to concentrate and now. Take a breath and finish our surgery and make sure that the mom is okay. And yeah, little babies once they're out terrify me. <laughs> so I'm glad you guys are there. <laughs> See, I, I feel so much more comfortable once they're out. So I guess it works out. I, going through med school, never wanted to be a pediatrician because kids terrify me because you can't ask them what's wrong. And they're very illogical. Like they just tell you what they're thinking. They're like, that dress is stupid. And you're like, okay, thank you. So, and you, you know, yeah. I'm sure I've had some very funny stories I of love what, that. what your patients say to you. And they're just too honest. They're like, you know, it's like oh, teenagers, yeah. which I guess is like me being on social media. It's like the comment section, but constantly. And you have to be nice because they're your patients and they're super cute and they don't know what they're saying as opposed to my comment section. Oh, yeah. I love the brutal honesty. It's really great. <laughs> at, at the end of a lot of checkups, I like to ask kids, what questions do you have for me? And um, the younger kids will always just lead with a statement, you know, or, or I'll say, do you guys have any, do you have any questions that you want to mm -hmm. ask me? And they'll say, yes. And I'll say, what questions do you want to ask me? And they'll say, Pokemon is the best thing in the world or, or like, <laughs> you're like, um, that is not a question. Please try yeah. again. Paw Patrol is coming on later. <laughs> and I get super excited. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it is, yeah, well, at least they're saying nice things to you, but I do want to ask you, what is it like being married to someone who talks about the kind of stuff I talk about on social media, which is, and as we sit in our office and we can see how many models of vaginas and vulvas <laughs> and the clitoris that I have and you know, sex toys and masturbation and abortion, you know, just really chill, not at all controversial stuff. What's it like being married to someone like me? And only on this topic, not on everything, because this is not a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's inspirational. And um, yeah, I've told you this before, but you know, there's a common thread in your career, Jen, and it started when I met you and could see the type of person that you are. I mean, you are passionate, you care deeply about people who have been wronged, who have been marginalized in society. I mean, we lived that through Katrina in New Orleans, right? I mean, we sort of like witnessed that firsthand. Mm -hmm. We were and, third year medical students when that happened, while you were, you were getting your master's of public health, but we went to Tulane together. So yeah, we ended up evacuating in Houston and yeah. on the way had to evacuate from another hurricane. It was a whole thing. It was, yeah, it was yeah, definitely eye-opening. A little, mm -hmm. little fun experience while we were dating. A little, little bump in the road. Yeah, but um, you've always been driven to help women and, oh, and people wow. with uteruses. And I think that... Um, that what's happening now is a normal extension of your passion. So, you know, being exposed to all this stuff, I don't know, it's kind of like old hat now, but yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, of course, there's another vulva stuff to Of course, of course, that's what came in the mail is another. <laughs> it is fun opening up our mail in our puppet. house. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's very sweet of you. And, and just want my listeners to know, I did not make him say that or, you know him or paid him or anything like that. But that's very sweet. Well, I'm actually really mad that I'm married to you and you can't be our kid's pediatrician because it's not ethical because I wish that, I mean, obviously we love who we take our kids to, but you're just the best, I think, combination of like the kind of doctor that I never had as a kid. My pediatrician was super judgmental, was just, ugh, had a horrible clown thing on the wall. Like <laughs> no doctor should ever have clown paraphernalia. Did not make me feel like I could ask questions. And you're just so, you know, I just think you're such a good communicator and you're very calm and you're just like a normal person, which I don't think people realize in this country how little 
people care about children's health care. It's not sexy. So if you're yeah. not in medicine, you know that what gets reimbursed and what people care about and millions get dumped into are really fancy new medications for really, you know, valid diseases and stuff. But it's not sexy to want to put money into kids because especially politicians don't want to because you're not going to see those benefits, even though they're huge, for 20 years. And that's far later than them. Yeah. running for office. So I feel like pediatricians always get the short end of the stick and like, hey, if you just helped us out, we could prevent a lot of the things that cause issues and you do a good job of, you know, still caring and making it work. Yeah, 100%. I mean, kids don't vote, right? So no. kids don't have a voice. And so yeah. they need people to advocate. The root of advocate means to give voice to something or to give voice to a group of people from the Latin. From the Latin, obviously. Yeah, I knew that. I did not know that at all. <laughs> Um, but yeah, kids need people to, to speak up because mm -hmm. who else is going to speak up for marginalized, you know, uh, poor kids mm -hmm. who need help, right? All kids need help. Mm -hmm. So, and families. Yeah. So I, I see a thread in that you're laying the foundation for what I do, Jen, right? Mm -hmm. So you are allowing women to, to take charge of their own bodies. You're encouraging bodily autonomy making sure that women choose when they want to be pregnant and then mm -hmm. that they're healthy throughout that pregnancy so that they're like gestating a human being that comes out like primed to allow me to continue that preventive journey. Yeah. So, right. So pediatrics is preventive medicine. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, we diagnose and treat diseases. Right. Right. But, but the most stuff for kids is, you know, like you said, it's yeah. a lot having of my... them not start smoking and having them understand why movement does matter. But you've also been very helpful with that. So if you have not seen on my social media, I recently went to D.C. during the State of the Union to interview some Congress people. And you were the camera guy and you got dragged into <laughs> But it was so fun because you had your abortion pin on. Like you very much, you know, get it. And it was wonderful to have you there in that support. And I think people in, in legislation need to hear more from people like you guys who are, you know, saying, hey, these kids need a voice. They need to be heard. You need to stop ignoring and only focusing on other things that are timely or sexy or whatever. And I know yeah. it might not sound that fun to constantly worry about things like nutrition, but it matters. It matters. And it affects so many kids. So absolutely. It and matters. poverty, especially and it, at the base of it, you know. Yeah. And it matters to parents, mm -hmm. right? It, it matters to us as parents to two boys, mm -hmm. like what's going on with our kids. Like, how do we keep them healthy? How do we keep them safe? How do we make sure that they grow up into reasonable, rational, mm -hmm. like functional, good people. Right. That... Like only need a little therapy and not too much therapy, which <laughs> I'm not sure what kind of therapy they're going to need. No, um, I know they're going to be like, so it we'll all see. started when my mom had 12 <laughs> vagina models in her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our younger son this morning asked me the uh, puppet with the smiley face. That's a uterus, right? And um, I was like, yeah, it's, he was like, it's so cute. It's so cute. It can and, cause so many problems, but it's also, is it that one? Yeah. That's the one he was asking about? Oh my gosh. And then he asked about the, he was like, what's that other one that looks like a spoon? Cause it's sideways. And I, oh, and yeah. I said, that's a, a vulva and a vagina. And he was like, cool. Cool. And then yeah, he was like, whatever. Can, I, can I go watch Ninjago? Right. Just whoosh, over their head, which I love. So you're a pediatrician. What do you want parents to know about preparing kids for puberty? I think probably what you're going to say is a lot of like what we do, which is we just normalize stuff and talk about yes. it. But 
Yeah. If you have parents who are listening saying like, oh my gosh, I can never say the word vagina to my kid. Like, how would you prepare them? Yeah. You just got to start early and say mm-hmm. it often. You know what I mean? And so I work at Metropolitan Pediatrics. It's the biggest private practice in the state of Oregon. Top notch doctors. I love everybody that I work with. And we all do this. Like, I And it's don't... true. We do. We bring our kids there too. They're amazing. Yeah. I also, that's where I get my flu shots from because they give the best shots. So I know. <laughs> they I don't s- hurt. I swear we have pioneer needles. I my, don't know. I it's know. A, yeah. So anyway, that's our tip. Go to a pediatrician's office to get your, to get your, your flu and your TDAP. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. All, all the good stuff. Yeah. So I think that you start early and often talking about body parts. And well, there's two things that I do early in the clinic with the younger checkups, younger age checkups, right? One is modeling consent. Mm -hmm. And so um, I know that we've talked about this in the past, but, you know, I always, you know, especially before um, a general exam or it's like a sensitive exam or even for like babies, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to talk to them and you have to ask permission. And um, if they say no, you have to explain why an exam might be an important part of a full checkup or why. Mm-hmm. It's okay if we skip it or like, what am I looking for? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, that's just, you know, foundational. So, and then they feel empowered as they get older because they know that they've heard me say my spiel like every year at the checkup about consent, right? About who should be checking that area and who shouldn't be, and even when they're little. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is using anatomic names for body parts, right? Yes. So no there, kitties. There's no hoo-hahs. No there's coochies. no wee-wees. Like, That's like it, a children's song that we're singing. <laughs> Let me there get my guitar. wee-wee. No. Terrible yeah. idea. Your penis is your penis. Right. You know, it's a scrotum. It's a yeah, nipple. it's a scrotum. It's whatever. It's just, it, right. yeah. You yeah. know, and I'm, or I'll say, like, you know, I'm going to check your testicles. And then most kids will nod and I'll say, Do you know what your testicles are? And they'll say, No. <laughs> <laughs> I said, You know the little ball things down there? Yeah. And they're like, I do. Oh, those. Those are called your testicles. And so Mind you got Right, right. So you have to start early with anatomic names. And so that both helps. Um, I mean, there's research that that helps prevent child abuse. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have tons of content about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And then later when they're older, you know, they can come to me and if it's a teen boy, like they feel comfortable mm-hmm. with me saying like, I've got this thing on my penis and it hurts mm-hmm. or uh, my urethra burns when I pee. And I'm like, all right, let's talk about that. So um, they know their their anatomy. Um, So I think that that's a big part of it, right? So as you start to approach puberty, I think it's important Mm -hmm. that you've talked about consent and you've talked about body parts and what they're called, Mm -hmm. right? And then the other thing is normalizing this process, right? So if nobody talks about it, it feels like something dangerous or unknown and we tend to fear the unknown. It's like the one big talk that you think is coming. Right. It should not just be one big talk, you know, that you sit down which that's, I had, you don't even remember being taught it, which I find is hilarious. Yeah. You're like, I don't know. Sort of osmosis. <laughs> you uh, went to a British school though. So maybe it was different there. I don't know, but. Uh, stiff upper lip. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so starting in like fourth grade, fifth grade, you know, a lot of girls are starting to go through puberty. Mm-hmm. Right. And so often at that third to fourth grade checkup, I'm asking, have you heard that word puberty before? Do you know what that word means? And nobody knows what it means. I mean, some people do, but a lot of kids are like, what Mm -hmm. are you talking about? You know, or around fifth grade, I'll ask, have you noticed any signs in your body of puberty? And they'll say, no. (laughs) Also, where are your testicles? What? (laughs) Right. Right, right. 
Um, And so you, you normalize it by me just having it be part of a frank discussion of when we're talking about sleeping and eating and development and how are your grades and how are you getting along with your brother and how do you handle it when you feel frustrated with your mom or your dad? As we're talking about all that stuff, it just becomes a piece of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so they know that it's something that's going to happen to them as they get bigger and it's okay. The other thing that I say a lot is all the adults in your life have gone through puberty. So it's sort of... Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So sometimes... I'm going to steal that line now. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes their eyes get bigger and they're like, oh, yeah, of course. My mom, my dad, mm-hmm. my teachers, you have like, you know, my 21-year-old brother mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, okay. And then I just normalize it and and say, this is normal changes that happen to your body and... Um, and then you realize that it's not one talk, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same for sex, right? It's not, right. there's not the talk. There should be lots of talks and talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? You can't push kids to say more than they want to. But if you keep the door open right. and you say, there's no question that's dumb, you know, there's just my dumb answers. <laughs> you can you ask. You do throw in a lot of dad jokes in your, I, I do. In your visits, well, but I, yeah, I love the dad jokes. It's the kids laughing. I know. A lot of the first and second graders, that's most of the well child check is me just like being like, hey, you got any good jokes? <laughs> And you come home and the kids are like, that's a great joke. But yeah, it's just, I think, like you said, it's just keeping the door open. And if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I have kids. We don't do this. I've used all these other words. I've said this in multiple places that that's okay. We've all done things. And then we realize like, hey, maybe this is better. So when you know better, you do better. You know, there's nothing you can't undo or change or harm that you can't get past. Like, it's totally okay. You just start, you know, like today, starting forward, we're going to talk about this and use this word and it's fine. Right. It's or not a big deal. It's okay to model vulnerability mm-hmm. to your kids, right? It's yeah. okay to model that you can change your mind. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I, I say this all the time, even especially with parents of toddlers, like consistency is overrated. Like, yes, you have to be consistent, uh, but it's okay to pause and decide, do I care about enforcing this limit right now with a, with a toddler? Mm-hmm. Am I going to pick my battles here? Yeah. Right. And it's okay with your 12 year old to, to change that narrative a little bit. Well, we never do because we're perfect parents, oh, right? We yeah. <laughs> Far from. <laughs> no, everybody's still learning. 10 times right? a day. <sighs> you say this all the time and I love it is, is mm-hmm. when, when you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. and yeah, I mean, yeah. there's, there's things that, you know, my patients from 10 years ago probably are like, how come he never said this? And <laughs> because we're always growing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the we're pediatrician I'm going to be 10 years from now is different than who I am today. That's okay yeah. too. Other, otherwise, what's the point? We're, yeah. we're all growing and learning. Yeah. Speaking of talking about these things, especially with teenagers, a lot of questions I get on social media, and I'm sure you hear is confidentiality. So, mm-hmm. and I think it's important if you're a parent, and you're listening to this, how can you explain to your kid? Like you can talk to your doctor, you know, one-on-one, and what you say is confidential. And as a parent, that means you have to respect that. But like, what really is confidential at the office? What isn't? Like, how do you handle that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that when they get to the age where they start caring about confidentiality mm. is when I start saying, like, what we're talking about is confidential. The only thing that I would have to break that confidentiality about is if you told me that you were having thoughts about hurting yourself and you had a plan to go do it, and I was worried that you were going to walk out of here and hurt yourself, then I would need to break that confidentiality to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I say the same thing when people come in and they're talking about, you know, STI testing or something like that. I say, if you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else and like, really 
right know, not just like i hate my boyfriend but like totally. uh, you know if you're at imminent risk of harming right. mm-hmm. yourself or somebody else mm-hmm. then i need to keep you mm-hmm. safe and part yeah. of that is telling other people yeah right but and oftentimes a lot of teens are very surprised they're like what are you talking about and yeah. i'm like this is between me and you and that's a part of encouraging independence right and so 12 13 14 like it's okay to start planting those seeds how do we take care of ourselves in our clinic we have like well, we have like a million checklists, um, many of which bug me. But um, <laughs> one of the checklists we have is for teens as they start to graduate from pediatric care. Like, mm-hmm. do you know how to make a doctor's appointment? Do you know how to fill a prescription? Like, do you know how to ask your doctor a question? Like these kinds of things, right? So just yeah. trying to work on that transition from being a kid to being a to being I, a grown up. I wish I would have had any of this when I was a kid. Like, yeah, my pediatrician, like they just... They were very authoritative. And I know that there's a lot of doctors out there who do not practice. There's varying qualities of practitioners in the country, which is unfortunate. And sometimes it's tied to your access, especially in rural areas. So if you're hearing this and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this would never fly. You know, we do not have this experience. Like I, if you have the ability to, to change to somebody where your kid feels they get this sort of respect and treatment, I think it's worth looking into. But I also know that's privileged. Okay, so as you know, I talk a lot about female health and, you know, that kind of stuff, being an OBGYN. But in caring for teen boys, which obviously you see a mix of, you know, boys and girls, what is something that surprised you or that you think we need to know about teen boys that, like, we just aren't talking about or we aren't thinking about in this mm-hmm. country? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I mean, I don't think anything surprised me because I was a teen boy. And oh, yeah, so <laughs> you, sort of, you sort of see... I don't know. I mean, I can, mm-hmm. you, you sort of remember through the lens of who you are now, who you were when you were younger, mm-hmm. right? But you also remember those feelings and you can remember how it felt when you were a teenager and trying to figure this stuff out. Um, so a couple of thoughts. One is I think the themes are the same. It's just how they come out are different. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like teenagers want independence. They're in that phase where they're figuring out who am I? What am I about? Like, what's important to me? What are my values? Who do I like? And that's the same Mm -hmm. for boys and for girls. Right. Like they have emotions. They can get hurt too. A hundred percent. They can feel things. Yeah. I've had lots of teen boys who are like, you know, traditionally like kind of macho guys open up to me and just be like, this girl is like breaking my heart. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and we talk about it and, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about how are you feeling? Like, what are the specifics of it? If they want to. And, you know, sometimes it, that's it's a normal grief reaction to a really mm-hmm. bad, sad situation. And, and sometimes that shades into um, depression or anxiety, which I take care of a lot of in my teen patients. Mm-hmm. So one is that, you know, boys and girls have the same feelings. They, they have the same themes that, that sort of come up. Um, the other thing is that guys are just as curious about their body and about sex as girls are, right? I believe that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so guys can have body image issues the mm-hmm. same way that girls can. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, I saw more teen boys with eating disorders than I saw my entire career prior. Wow, that's so sad. It was. I mean, it was just that disconnection that was yeah. just so hard, that level of stress, which hasn't gotten better. So what you're saying is that they have the same amount of like uncertainty because, you know, you think mm-hmm. boys are just like, oh, whatever, I'm fine. You know, it's always oh, yeah. girls who have issues, but really they're just as scared or feeling insecure, but they tend not to express it because they're not supposed to, right? They're just supposed to be like tough and 
all American boys. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which is bad. I mean, like, oh, it's what, terrible. Yeah. Like that just perpetuates this toxic masculinity that mm-hmm. that gets us into trouble. And then we have Republicans that are trying to control women's bodies, which I'm not okay with. And that's why we're married <laughs> <laughs> for however many years it's been. <laughs> so, for example, boys are very worried about curvature of their penis boys are very worried about i shouldn't say very worried lots of guys are Mm -hmm. worried about why does my left testicle hang lower than my right testicle it looks like it really hangs a lot lower than my right testicle and you know they didn't get any sort of instruction about this in school most likely because right yeah because we don't love to do that for our children yeah and so rather than me try and talk them out of it and be like you want to measure it like it's not that bad you know like we talk about hey Mm -hmm. why are you thinking about this like did somebody say something about this like did they have like a a sexual experience that didn't Mm -hmm. go well for them and what they're focusing on is when my penis curves to the left or my scrotum has these little bumps on it like what are these little bumps is this Mm -hmm. mean i have a disease like did i get a sexually transmitted infection and so guys have all the same body image issues and questions that uh, girls do. They just don't always have the same forum, right? And they don't have the same ability to talk about it in their peer groups. Yeah, they're not sitting around at sleepovers, I think, probably. Or like, you're not seeing it on TikTok or as much, which is sad because then these become adults who don't know how to process these things, can't talk about them. And um, I think the mental health of teen boys is something that is just they're struggling i mean everybody i feel like a lot of teenagers are struggling since the pandemic but that kind of leads into my next question i think i know the answer to this but social media and kids right what do we think about that Mm. (laughs) (laughs) it's so great right they can learn tutorials and yeah so like what's your spiel like if somebody walks in like 12 year old kid and they're like my kid's begging me for a phone kind of like how our kid is our 12 year old they get mad at me because i'm like you don't need a phone i agree with your mom <laughs> they're like and then they're like one one star google review what such a jerk would not recommend <laughs> um, Wait, yeah. is it really that bad for kids do you really feel like social media is that bad i mean i have my own opinion seeing what i see out there but I think that it takes everything to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it just intensifies. Well, it does two things. It intensifies everything and it fragments everything, mm-hmm. right? Because the algorithms allow the fragmentation of information based mm-hmm. on what you click and what these companies are serving you, right? Oh, yeah. And so there's no like shared knowledge anymore you tend to, I think what you mean is like, you can, you continue to see the same stuff. So like you just get more into a rabbit hole. You don't see like a diversity of opinions. You don't see a diversity of opinions. You get into Mm -hmm. a rabbit hole. There's like, if I said, Hey, did you watch TikTok last night? (laughs) You'd be like, what are you talking about? How old are you? Did you watch the TikTok TikTok, movies? The movies. The short movies. Because your feed is totally (laughs) different than my feed. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so that shapes kids' brains. Yeah. At a time when it's like, they're super developed. Totally. The same way that you know, a 12-year-old drinking alcohol is very different Mm -hmm. from a 22-year-old drinking alcohol is very different from a 42-year-old drinking alcohol Mm -hmm. and how that use looks responsible or not responsible, but also physically what it does to their brain is different at different ages, right? Mm -hmm. And then you compound that, you layer that over the fact that they're going through this normal developmental stage of an identity crisis where Mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out who am I in this world? What, what click do I fit into? Mm-hmm. Who are my friends? Like, how do I trust people? Um, I just don't understand about? like the bullying part. Cause like I got picked on a ton in seventh and eighth grade as a, as a kid. And I loved Friday afternoons cause it stopped till Monday at least. 
And now with social media, it's going 24 seven, they can do whatever they want, they can say whatever they want online. Like, I just can't imagine that level of pressure for these kids. Like, it's just, it's terrible. And I know some people will say, well, it's great, because they can connect, especially with the pandemic. I just think there's ways to do it. And I'm not so sure, again, as somebody who's on TikTok, and I use it to reach that audience, because that's where they are. But I'm putting out good content, but not everybody is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the connection is different. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like the zoom, you know, meeting versus actually being around people. (laughs) That feeling that all the, you know, Mm-hmm. mid 20 to above mm-hmm. year olds felt and when the pandemic started mm-hmm. of like why do i feel depleted and not satisfied after this zoom meeting yeah. like it's like that it's yeah. it's i don't know junk food is not the right analogy but um it's yeah, not but the it same it's like you know to a degree and that amount of consumption that's good varies based on age it's just like that with social media mm-hmm. i think um, yeah so i think there's an age that it's appropriate you know it's pandora's box like mm-hmm. why open it and, right. and or you know there weren't cows in pandora's box but like why open the doors to the barn and let the cows out because you can't get them back in Ooh, let the cows oh jeez gosh <laughs> we just became lost people <laughs> yeah like they have their whole life to use a phone yeah your six-year-old doesn't need to own her own phone I you're i don't think middle schoolers need mm-hmm. to have phones either I and mean, we're not luddites here like we let our kids play as many video games as they want on an airplane and they definitely have screen time they play minecraft they watch things it's just it's the social media aspect that i think we tend to be a little more concerned about but like there's a way to get a break as a parent absolutely like screens are not evil totally it's just how they're used i think and what you're letting them see on those screens that i think can really yeah yeah and screen screen time is like has almost become a meaningless term now right yeah because what if you have a smart refrigerator and you're spending time looking at if you have eggs on in in, like is that screen Mm -hmm. time do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so does anybody actually have those i don't like we're not friends with people who have that kind of movie (laughs) i've seen them on youtube i'm the smart refrigerator i'm like we need eggs we need eggs Exactly. Yeah. And so what matters is quality of screen time, right? I I tell parents Mm -hmm. this too. I think the screen time that we watched when we were kids, where we were just parked in front of Saturday morning cartoons with all the commercials was actually worse. Oh, totally. um, You know, I almost said Ben and Jerry, but I meant Tom and Jerry, (laughs) not the ice cream. Ben and Jerry is great. Also good. Tom and Jerry, you know, yeah, they're like chasing each other with knives. Now there's like, there is great stuff out there and you can, but TikTok is not that curated place for it. And again, as somebody who heavily uses it to educate, like I'm also a realist. So I don't think we're saying, you know, you're a horrible parent if your kids are on social media, but it's a great way. And I I like that you ask about it, your visits, like, what do you see? Do you spend time with your kid on there? Do you talk about what you see on there? How do you interact? Um, I think is smart. So, yeah, I think it's important to have the, and, and, you know, if you've had those open channels of communication with your kids, Mm -hmm growing up. And even if you haven't, it's never too late to start. Then when they get to middle school and, or they get to early high school and like something happened at school or they saw something on social media, they're going to be much more likely to say, mom, can you look at this with me? Mm -hmm. Or like, what do you think about this? Or they'll couch it as, do you know what happened to blah, blah, blah to their friend? Mm -hmm. And it'll be something that happened to them, but they'll tell you a story about something that happened to 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 their friend. Yeah. Which is so funny because I get those questions all the time in my DMs where, you know, they'll start off saying, my friend has a question about herpes and, you know, 
whatever. Mm -hmm. Not that I ever give up medical advice. They're like, actually, it's me. And I was like, it's okay. I don't yeah. care. Our task as parents in that situation is to not instantly judge, right? Mm -hmm. It's not to shut down that conversation and be like, oh my God, that's terrible. Do you not have any adult supervision at that school? What is going on there? Right. And Freaking out. It's just to reflect yeah. it back and be like, mm -hmm. how did that make you feel? Or what, what did you think about that? Mm -hmm. And then you can have an open conversation. And sometimes they want to talk about it. And sometimes they don't. And that's okay. Right. And you can just say, hey, I'm always here for you if you want to talk about this stuff. Which is what you'd want, you know, that's how you teach them to be adults too, which imagine if all the adults in the world actually stopped and reflected and thought as opposed to just digging into those holes yeah. deeper. Can I leave on a hopeful note of social media? Yes. Yeah. Cause we're not going to like be downers here. I'm not going to be a downer. Yeah. Okay. Well, because I believe in there's like golden retrievers in social media. I love that too. <laughs> cute cat videos, know, right? Cats favorite. like throwing their belly around on TikTok. <laughs> it's hilarious. I think that teens are much smarter and more resilient than we give them credit for. I agree. Right. Yeah. And so I think that in the clinic, um, when I ask kids about their social media use, they're not addicted. They're not on it all the time. They call their friends on the phone, right? Aww. They will FaceTime their friends and play, you know, the guys will like you know, sometimes play Call of Duty, the older guys, the younger guys will play like Fortnite or Minecraft, but they'll call their friends mm -hmm. and put them on FaceTime and like FaceTime their friend while they're playing video games, mm -hmm. you know, and then we take the next step of like, well, how do you see him or her outside right. of the FaceTime? <laughs> yeah, um, but they are, they're, they're so much smarter. I see that all the time in my DMs and my stuff. Teens are so much smarter than we give them credit for, Gen which Z. is why you should talk to them and, you know, yes. give them the benefit of the doubt that they can handle the word vagina and they like talking it. about birth control and all right. that stuff. We don't, we don't have to like bubble wrap everything. Yeah. Like Gen Z is definitely like who, who better to tell us how social media impacts them mm -hmm. than the generation that social media most has impacted. Right. Imagine that actually listening to the people affected. What? Right. So they know, they know these feelings. Mm -hmm. They know that it can increase anxiety and depression. They know that Instagram can hurt their body image. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then I've seen the pendulum start to swing back a little bit, mm -hmm. at least in what teenagers tell me in, in the clinic. So, yeah. Okay. So to wrap this up, do you see yourself starting a TikTok account then and doing the dances with the cats and the, <laughs> I know the I answer think, is no. I don't think anybody wants to see me dancing. I think I would subscribe. Yeah. With, you know, we had a cat, we have a cat that has no tail. His name is Herbie. He's born that way. It wasn't an accident, but, yeah. um, but and no. Maybe but I, I should answer all those questions about penises and. Exactly. And... Exactly. And why does that one hang down lower, which is. Trampolines. Oh, right. I don't know. I don't think the two are connected, but I'm, like... I'm just thinking of like questions I've had in clinic. Yeah, recently. Car seats and yeah, car seats. <laughs> How do I swaddle my baby? There you go. There's never too many. It was super fun having you here. I will say that it's fun having somebody to talk to on these podcasts. And I feel like, you know, I love answering questions from my viewers. Absolutely. I love doing that. But if any of my viewers have questions specific related to, you know, pediatric type things, maybe we'll collect a whole bunch of them. And we'll do this again one day. And somehow our kids have managed to stay quiet this whole time. So we should probably go see what they're doing on the TV and the Minecraft that we <laughs> talked about. Um, well, everybody, thanks so much for listening and thanks for being here. And like I said, you know how to get your calls in. Feel free to leave comments, questions, thoughts, and stay safe. Talk to your kids. Give your teens the benefit of the doubt and check in on them. Make sure they're okay. Till yes. next week. Stay safe. Show up. Your kids are more resilient than you think they are. Thanks for having me, Jen. I really appreciate it. This was super fun. It was super fun. And now we have to go figure out what's for dinner. Okay, bye. 
Okay, it's that time where I ask you to rate, review, and follow on your favorite podcast app because we know that's how we get more people talking. So call in at 503-893-2016 and join me online at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. So let's keep the conversation going, my friends. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body and we're gonna answer them. 